Welcome to Science Talk, the weekly podcast of Scientific American for the seven days starting April 9th, 2008. I'm Steve Mursky. This week on the podcast, it's movie talk. We'll discuss the new film, Expelled, in which Ben Stein tries to make a case that academics are being persecuted for subscribing to what he contends is the valid scientific theory of intelligent design which can be the idea that some aspects of life are irreducibly complex and could not have evolved without some help from an intelligent force, or that the entire universe shows signs of intelligence in its makeup. The film also castigates evolution, which describes how organisms descend with modification from common ancestors. A more modern definition for evolution is the change in the gene pool of a population from generation to generation by such processes as mutation, natural selection, and genetic drift. Scientific American Editor-in-Chief John Rennie and I saw the film expelled, and we'll share our thoughts, and then we'll hear from Eugenie Scott, the director of the National Center for Science Education, who is actually in the movie. Plus, we'll test your knowledge about some recent science in the news. First up, John Rennie and me, we talked in his office at Scientific American. John, expelled. So what are your, what are your thoughts? Steve, it's not a good film. Uh, let's start there. I think, uh, what's, what's unfortunate about Expelled is that it is a deeply dishonest film in that it, it tries to argue a certain point, which it's certainly entitled to do, but I think that it presses that point by so selectively uh, airing the evidence that anybody who was relying on the film for an understanding of the issues in the film would be sorely misled. Well, one of the things that I wrote in my notes as we were watching it was... We don't even get sort of a, a hand-waving definition of either intelligent design or evolution until something like a half an hour into the film. Right. I, you know, I, I think it goes right to the methodology of the film that they almost don't want to get bogged down in the specifics, certainly not the specifics of the science. Fundamentally, what Expelled wants to do is it wants to present the notion that there is this clash of worldviews, um, most specifically a clash between sort of Darwinian biology and intelligent design, but uh, more broadly one between big monolithic science, uh, which is materialist and atheist, and then uh, religion, which is presented as being open to all sorts of possibilities. Um, as long as that conflict can be drawn as one that's really just about worldviews, basically about ideologies and opinions, uh, then when you say that one of those seems to be oppressing the other, it sounds inherently unfair. But if you ever start to actually engage with the merit of the ideas, then it all falls apart. Because as even children know, in science, two ideas are not equally worthy of being presented if one of them is wrong. <laughs> right. And and almost no scientific ideas are actually presented in this film. No. there There's the conflict that's discussed, but we don't actually see any arguments on either side. And one of the things that doesn't get discussed enough is there is a debate about evolution. It happens every day. It's been happening for 150 years within the scientific community. Right. That, that is one of the, the canards that the... Uh creationists and intelligent design community like to spread about this, that somehow adherence to 
Darwinism is somehow dogmatic. Uh, I mean, it's, it's actually sort of funny that this film constantly refers to it as Darwinism because, as, as you well know, the, the fact is that, that modern biology has moved way past Darwin's original ideas, back to the 30s, you had the, the formation of the, the neo-Darwinian concept in which you started to take Darwin's ideas and you were able to blend those with more modern ideas of genetics. Right, because uh, Darwin didn't know any genetics. Right. He was working with whole organisms, which brings up a point about the film, actually. They're, they go off on this tangent about Darwin's ideas about cells in the film. Cells appear in The Origin of Species as a word in the description of the little hexagons in beehives. I mean, I think, but that, that all goes right to the point of this. If you watched this movie and you didn't know anything about biology or the surrounding issues, you could understandably walk out of it really outraged. How could science be this way? Why is science uh, being so unfair to these people who just are trying to investigate their ideas? Why is science so terribly, terribly opposed to religion? That's one of the other things that's really grating about this, that the film uh, says over and over and over again that science is just dogmatically opposed to the idea of science. And, of course, it, it shows... To the idea of intelligent uh, to the design. Entire, of intelligent design and religion, sorry. Right. Um, and, it, and it does, it does uh, show film clips of, of prominent scientists like Richard Dawkins, for example, who happen to be atheists, and it quotes them sometimes talking about their atheism and, and how that atheism uh, happens to accord with the the evolutionary science uh, that that they understand but the film never gets into any of the distinctions here first of all it more or less seems to to say that if you are a scientist if you are a darwinian scientist then of course you must be an atheist so you'd never know that <laughs> there are hundreds of millions of people out there at the very least who manage to uh, to to believe uh, both in in whatever their religious beliefs may be and to accept evolution as as a fact um right they didn't bother to interview somebody like Ken Miller, who is famously religious right. and is also a highly esteemed evolutionary biologist and writer about evolutionary biology. Or for that matter, any number of theologians who are obviously devout in their various faiths and also accept that evolution actually happened and that the mechanisms of natural selection and the further extensions of that that modern biology has developed uh, all are there. Uh, there's... You get the idea from the film that there is this conflict between religious explanations for phenomena and that science doesn't want them, but you never understand why that would be. Uh, it's just basically posited in the film that science hates religion and therefore it is forbidden and anybody who tries to transgress and introduce anything that might be a, an intelligent design idea that would hint at the possibility of God uh, that that they're thrown out of the scientific community. But this isn't true, and and there are there are perfectly sound logical reasons for why it is science doesn't try to bring in supernatural or divine explanations. Because as soon as you bring them in, it, it completely erodes your ability to understand any of the well, ideas in science. You stop looking. It's a science right. stopper. You say, well, that's this little area that's unknown, uh, we've now explained by the hand of God, and we don't need to do any research in that area anymore. And this is true in every science, not just 
evolutionary biology. No, it's very, it's funny. Uh, you know, Isaac Newton, back when, when he was developing theory of gravity, I mean, he wrote in, in looking at the motions of the planets, he was generally describing, uh, and he said that he felt that gravity, the laws of gravity, probably explained the motions of the planets. Still, he thought there were very tiny things in the, the details in how the planets were moving that he thought couldn't be explained by gravity, and he suspected those were actually the, the, the work, the actions of God, uh, acting on the system itself. Well, of course, these days we now have a better understanding of that whole system, and we know, in fact, it is all gravity. But had we take Newton's perfectly uh, uh, theological claim about that, and we just had been satisfied with with that notion, then we wouldn't have done any of that science. <laughs> I wouldn't have bothered to look. The uh, the most egregious thing about the film, yeah. I mean, even if you cut these guys all the slack in the world and say that they were sincere in their efforts and there was no mendacity involved... Then the movie is just sort of incompetent uh, in its presentation of uh, the issue and of whatever science it tries uh, to to get into, which is you know very little. But that said, the most egregious thing is this really heavy-handed connection between Darwin and the Holocaust. Right. This this is the thing where I think they are, in some respects, being most dishonest, and where the argument they're pursuing is really most abominable. Uh, you know, it's, it's not that it's fundamentally intellectually inappropriate to try to make some kind of connection between ideas derived from what Darwin wrote and the ideas that, uh, that the Nazis used in developing their sort of genocidal, uh, plans. I mean, of, everybody acknowledges that, that some of that was there. The problem is that the film never really makes it clear that those were perversions of the ideas of evolution. The Nazis' justification for the Holocaust, insofar as they were based on science, came from the idea of eugenics. But eugenics is actually more closely related to the ideas of, of animal breeding than it is to anything that you really find just in Darwin himself. It doesn't have anything to do uh, with, with natural selection. And if, in, a, in a sense, it doesn't even make sense. It's the opposite of natural selection. If, if there actually were people who were, in some respect, genuinely inferior on evolutionary terms, there would be no reason for someone to exterminate them. Nature would take care of that itself in the long run. But, of course, the whole idea is appalling and wrong-headed. And uh, let's not forget that uh, some groups of humans have been subjugating and killing other groups of humans for a long, long time before there was any Darwinism to pin it on. Exactly. And if you if you looked at... Uh, this film's presentation of the the intellectual roots of the Holocaust, you would see that they only seem to go back to Darwin and the theory of evolution. You would have no idea that they went back to uh, any deeper notions of old anti-Semitism that's pervaded uh, European society going back to the Roman Empire. You'd have no idea that people had been engaged in trying to rank uh, people of different races into some sort of a hierarchy of worth based, unfortunately, on some sorts of of, of uh, misunderstandings of, of Christian tenets uh, going back for centuries. And you certainly wouldn't have known that, you know, you could find uh, really ugly strains of anti-Semitism even in the writings of, of someone like Martin Luther that would have been very familiar to a lot of Germans at the time, not to mention the other economic issues. As far as expelled is concerned, none of that exists. And although, yes, the film does 
say they they, they give themselves the sort of the, the pretense of of uh, not blaming Darwin. You you get a couple of people, including Ben Stein, saying, "Of course, no one is saying Darwin caused the Holocaust." But of course, they then make every possible connection they can. And I think it's interesting that if you took out those little excuses that said, of course, no one says Darwin caused the Holocaust, that is exactly what someone would understand from the film. The the visit of uh, Ben Stein to the crematorium and to the death camp uh, kind of uh, just obviates all their disclaimers about the connection between Darwin and the Holocaust. They're as you say, you know, they're saying it. No, we're not saying that this is a, a, a sufficient condition, just that it's a necessary condition. Well, you know, how about discussing the sufficient conditions? Right, which the sufficient conditions being the Nazis. <laughs> right. uh, well, let, let's uh, compliment the, the filmmakers. Uh, Mark Mathis, uh, one of the producers, was kind enough to bring the film to our offices, and so we got a chance to watch it. And after we watched it, uh, we had a, uh, at times rather, um, cantankerous? Animated. Yes. Yes, we had a rather animated conversation, and, uh, that in, that conversation unedited, which is, uh, an hour and 11 minutes for anybody who's really a glutton for punishment, <laughs> uh, is also available on our website, and, uh, well, I hope that, uh, I hope that people will partake of that as well, and, uh, get a chance to listen to us talk to the, the uh, producer, Mark Mathis, uh, immediately after having watched the film. Eugenie Scott is the director of the National Center for Science Education, which fights efforts to dilute the teaching of evolution and to introduce into the classroom unscientific doctrines like creationism and intelligent design. She was a guest on the first episode of this podcast over two years ago. I called her at her office in Oakland. Hi, Dr. Scott. Great to talk to you. Hey, Steve, nice to talk to you, too. It's great to be back here again. You were actually interviewed for Expelled. What was, was What was your experience as an interviewee? Well, I was just, I, I was totally bamboozled. Um, I got a call from Mark Mathis in April, uh, a very, uh, well, actually, technically speaking, was an email, but I was, I got a contact which was, very much uh, in the ordinary. I get lots of calls from documentary makers who want to do something about creation and evolution and make a film. This was April 2007. Correct. Yeah. And uh, most of them don't pan out, but I'm always very helpful because it's to my advantage for people to get the story right. So uh, Mark called, and he had kind of a vague idea about this uh, movie that he was going to make called Crossroads. He identified himself as being from a film company called Rampant Films, and Crossroads was sort of a generic science and religion, evolution and creationism, looking at the controversy in American society, and fine, you know, those are a dime a dozen. And so as we talked, it was clear that he didn't really have a, a terribly clear idea of what the parameters of the controversy was. He was asking me about poll data, and I've got a little bit of work on that, so... Um, I sent him a bunch of information. We had um, a number of, of contacts, uh, email and, and phone, to, and I sent him a lot of stuff to try to uh, help him understand the issue so that he'd do a better job, of course. And he came out to my office to interview me later on in the month. Uh, he had previously sent me a list of questions, which also were is not an unusual kind of thing to do. In fact, it's very professional. It's good when the interview interviewer sends you a list of questions so you can think of what your answers would be and 
you know, communicate them more clearly and so forth. It's actually good for both the interviewee as well as the filmmaker to do that. There was only one question on his list that gave me pause. And um, uh, when he wrote me back saying, you know, are all the questions okay? I said, well, you know, this one question I'm not going to answer. And the question was, uh, do you think any of the uh, partisans on either side, the creation or the evolution side, are uh, being uh, dishonest? And I wrote back to him saying, I don't know. I can tell you that the creation of science is bad and it's wrong, but I can't tell you whether they're being dishonest because that requires me to look into somebody's heart and I can't do that. So I'm not going to make those kind of ad hominem comments about um, the opposition. Fine, that was great. So he didn't ask me that question. We had a pretty normal interview and, and all was well. It was only um, later on that summer that uh, we learned that... Um, uh, Rampant Films was really a front for Premise Media, a Canadian filmmaking company, and that, uh, in fact, the film was not called Crossroads at all. It was to be called Expelled, and it was an anti-science and a pro-intelligent design movie rather than being kind of a generic creationism and evolution movie. So I would... I mean, I was just flabbergasted. My relationship with Mark Mathis had been very friendly, uh, very cooperative. Um, you know, the movie tries to make the case that they began filming with an open mind and they wound up uh, realizing that there was this incredible censorship of uh, ID science going on by big science. But But the timeline for that claim is bogus. Well, the timeline disproves the claim, I should say, because the expelled web domain was reserved well before what they say is their turning point in their uh, understanding of the issue based on their reporting. And similarly, the domain name expelledthemovie.com was acquired before I was interviewed. Wow. And everybody else, too. Mm -hmm. So they were, you know, either... Premise Media lied to Mark Mathis, or Mark Mathis lied to me. You know about the marketing of this movie, I take it. Yeah, but but tell the tell the listeners because they might not. The uh, first now now they have four PR firms working on on this uh, promoting this film and for the next couple of weeks. But the initial marketer is Motive Entertainment, which is the same marketing company that promoted Passion of the Christ and Chronicles of Narnia. And the kind of pioneering approach that they instituted with Passion of the Christ was this viral marketing where, as they are doing with Expelled, they had quiet meetings, screenings around the country of this new movie uh, in churches and before religiously oriented audiences of various kinds. And they built up a great... Um, uh, grassroots uh, enthusiasm for this film so that when Passion of the Christ actually screened uh, in the movie theaters, they had a huge, huge initial weekend, which of course encouraged long bookings for the, the um, movie, and it ended up uh, being one of the uh, highest grossing movies of all time, especially when you consider the, um, the international uh, showing, uh, international gate. So they're trying the same kind of viral marketing, building up a big enthusiasm for the movie in the conservative Christian community, hoping that when they go live, as it were, in movie theaters on April 18th, um, they will have a, a huge big box office draw. 
But, you know, Mel Gibson and Ben Stein are pretty <laughs> distinguishable. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to confuse Passion of the Christ with Expelled. Um, they just don't have the product uh, in this movie that they had with a Hollywood blockbuster with a very famous uh, and charismatic uh, um, uh, actor. Right, even though he's he didn't appear in the film, but he, he directed it and he was really up front fronting the film right right yeah. oh yeah and he was you, know, you think of mel gibson when you think of passion of the right Christ. right so tell us about the uh the resource page that the national center for science education has established for for people to go to to get information about the claims made in the film we are very concerned that people will be misled uh, by the claims that are made in uh, expelled because they make a number of claims about individuals that supposedly have been discriminated against or lost their jobs or didn't get tenure or whatever um, because of their um, support for the intelligent design idea. And uh, these are all just grossly overstated. Uh, the, the actual stories of the five or six uh, martyrs that are presented and expelled um, are truly much ado about nothing. And so we have a website that we built specially for expelled. It's called expelledexposed.com. Now, right now, uh, expelledexposed.com has a number of reviews and articles and some resources on it, but we will go live, so to speak, on April 15th, uh, the Tuesday before the uh, premiere, with a full website that will have um, the complete stories of the alleged martyrs and uh, references and resources and links for the the real stories behind these people and how uh, things are, are grossly overstated. We'll also have information on intelligent design and why the scientists the science community does not consider it to be a, a legitimate science, and uh, also information on the um, social Darwinist and evolution claims, which are also uh, grossly uh, overstated and, and erroneous. So we're hoping to be a, a useful one-stop shopping, as it were, for people who really want to know the facts about uh, uh, the, the facts that refute the claims made and expelled. So expelledexposed.com. You know, one of the one of the problems that we've had at the magazine is trying to figure out what to do with this movie. We we wondered whether it was better to just ignore it. Well, we talked about this a lot um, and We've been working with the scientific societies and education societies that we work with, but we also work with the civil liberties community. And so we have a kind of a broader uh, range of folks that we interact with than, than most science organizations because, you know, National Center for Science Education is this very odd hybrid of, a, of an activist organization but still a scholarly organization at the same time. So... Um, and we really did have to think very carefully about how hard to push back. Right now, the major information or the major source of information that you can find about 
expelled, is going to be from the right-wing press, from the religious right and from uh, religious conservatives particularly. It really hasn't broken out into the mainstream media very much at all. Uh, you don't find uh, Newsweek and Time and you know MSNBC and and the the big media uh, mainstream media paying much attention to this at, if at all. But uh, O'Reilly and <laughs> and uh, the Fox News, I mean, they they just think it's the cat's pajamas and they're going on and on and on about it. So the in one sense we don't care. We know that it's going to be a big hit among religious conservatives. But is it going to have much of a dent in the understanding of evolution and the scientific enterprise among mainstream Americans? That's the concern that we have. By drawing attention to the movie, we make that more probable. What we decided was to do a kind of intermediate approach, as it were. The scientific societies that we work with have... Uh, agreed that this isn't their fight, so to speak. Um, This isn't about science. There's hardly, you've seen the movie, there's hardly any science in it whatsoever. That's true. And so why should AAAS or the National Academy or any of the other big science organizations give a hoot? On the other hand, um, an organization like NCSE does need to pay attention to this. And actually, we are a very appropriate organization, small as we are, to pay attention to this because we actually do know the stories behind the martyrs and we do know the approach of the intelligent design people and and we're very familiar with their modus operandi just in general. So we are a good uh, um, organization to provide that kind of information to the public. And uh, let let me admit to the uh, listeners that we at Scientific American are biased. We, uh, We have a bias... Uh, in favor of reality. <laughs> I've always said that NCSE is highly biased toward good science. Exactly. Uh, Eugenie Scott, thanks very much. Appreciate your time. Always a pleasure talking to you, Steve. Now it's time to play Totally Bogus. Here are four science stories. Only three are true. See if you know which story is totally bogus. Story one, new guidelines recommend that bystanders perform so-called hands-only CPR without the need for concurrent mouth-to-mouth. Story two, a study finds that married women do an hour less housework a week than their single sisters because of a little help around the house from their husbands. Story three, human hearing appears to actually be superior to that of most other animals. And story four, if plants exist on other planets, there's good reason to think they could be mostly red, blue, or even black. Time's up. Story four is true. Researchers conjecture that any flora on other planets would have evolved to maximize the light they could absorb, which might be very different from the light we get here on Earth. So, for example, a planet around a red dwarf, which would get little visible light, might harbor black plants, which would absorb a higher percentage of light than any other color. For more, check out the article, The Color of Plants on Other Worlds, at Siam.com and in the April issue of Scientific American magazine. Story one is true. The new CPR guidelines were published in the journal Circulation, which noted that research found no real advantage to -to mouth-to-mouth CPR in cases outside of a hospital. And since people may be uneasy about trying mouth-to-mouth, but willing to try hands-only chest compressions, they should, as even that technique may double a victim's survival odds. An easy way to remember how often to compress the chest? 
about the same as the beat of, no kidding, the BG hit, Staying Alive. And story three is true, humans have terrific hearing. Other animals may be able to detect sounds too high or low-pitched for us to hear, but our ability to discriminate between sounds as close as a quarter of a musical tone apart appears to be unmatched among mammals, with the possible exception of bats. The research appeared in the journal Nature. All of which means that story two about married women having less housework because their husband's help is totally bogus. Because what is true is that married women have seven more hours of housework a week than single women. Men who are married do an hour less housework a week than single men. The data are from the Panel Study of Income Dynamics, which has been ongoing at the University of Michigan since 1968. The most surprising revelation was that single men apparently do at least an hour of housework a week. Well, that's it for this edition of the Weekly Siam Podcast. You can write to us at podcast at siam.com and check out siam.com for the latest science news and for additional info on Expelled, including reviews by John Rennie and our skeptic columnist Michael Shermer, who also appears in the film. For Science Talk, the weekly podcast of Scientific American, I'm Steve Mursky. Thanks for clicking on us. 